Um, hello everyone, <clears throat> my name is Madush. Uh, a very, very warm welcome to you all. It's really lovely to have you all here, whether you're a regular or you are visiting with us today. I'm one of the ministers here at Trinity Church, if you're wondering who I am. Um, we're going to have the third reading and then I will uh, proclaim that. Um, it is in your service sheets. Uh, the reading is from John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, Christians have the privilege of approaching God and talking to him in prayer, knowing that he hears us and responds to us as a loving father. So I'm going to pray now and ask him to shine light on these words that we've just read, asking that we would gain spiritual understanding so that we would believe Jesus is who he claims to be and we would follow him. Let's pray. Living God, we are delighted that you aren't hidden, that we aren't stumbling around in the darkness, relying on our own wisdom to navigate your world. Thank you for entering human history as a man to show us God. Please, will you work among us now by your spirit, giving us eyes to see Jesus through these words and faith to bow the knee to him. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I love Christmas lights. They completely transform the city, don't they? I moved to London a few years ago from a place where the sun shines all year round and I took it for granted. That, that first winter was really quite difficult because it was so dark. I just wasn't prepared for it. And I think that is one of the reasons Christmas is so big here, even though so many people aren't Christians, because it is an excuse to decorate the city with bright lights, to celebrate and hope for something better in the darkest months. A light is one of those universal symbols of hope in the darkest places. But if you've been listening to these readings from John's Gospel, you'd have noticed that light isn't just a religious symbol here. John is making some radical, exclusive claims centered on the person of Jesus. Now, if you aren't familiar with John's Gospel, it is an eyewitness account of Jesus' life and his ministry. It's well-preserved and historically reliable. John tells us why he writes at the end of his gospel. So John chapter 20, verse 30, this is what he says. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, we have an eyewitness account written for us to believe this testimony about Jesus so that we would follow him and so enjoy the very best life possible. Now that resonates, doesn't it? I mean, we're all here in London because we are chasing the best life on offer. Why else would you be here? Play along with me for a moment. Focus on a time that you felt really alive. Now, this isn't everyday British plodding along. 
And we're talking about full, enjoyable, exhilarating life. And what is it for you? You know, that, that feeling that bubbles up at the core of your being and, and tingles all the way down to your toes. Have you ever experienced that? I want you to picture it. Close your eyes if that helps. Maybe for you it was the elation of a bungee jump or a roller coaster. Maybe the thrill of victory. Or if that's too high octane for you, maybe something as simple as the smell of the raindrops as they fall on the earth. Or the first time you held the hand of, of that someone you love. Or that moment you first held your newborn baby. Life is so rich and deep. It's colorful and textured. It's a thousand moments of, of beauty and wonder. And yet all of that, the very best we can imagine, the very best we've experienced, is only the tiniest taste of what we were made for. You see, John is writing to convince us that Jesus is the human embodiment of God's glorious presence. Jesus has come to draw us into the life that he shares with his Father. He performed miraculous signs. He made huge claims about who he is, that he's the reality to which all of Israel's history points, that he's the one who gives meaning to human existence. In him, he says, there is life, and it is abundant life. And so right from the start of his gospel, that was our first reading at the front of your service sheets, John reminds us where it all started. There was nothing. And then God, who has life in himself, spoke. And then there was something. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, Jesus was there. In fact, he was the key player. You see, Jesus is God, and yet he is distinct from God the Father. The rich, vibrant life that they enjoy in relationship with each other overflows in creation. That is the life that is on offer to us. Isn't that wonderful? So chapter 1, verse 4, we read it earlier. In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is the source of true life. He's the fountain of life, the deep, refreshing, satisfying life that people throughout history have been searching for. It's through Jesus that God gives life to all that he makes and new life to his people in his Son. And so Christmas is about a special baby, promised from long ago, who, who was put to sleep in a, in a feeding box for animals. And we enjoy nativity scenes, don't we? I was at the Christmas plays at my kid's school just a few days ago. It was so lovely to see all the kids dressed up and how much fun they were having as they sang Christmas songs. It is great to enjoy the atmosphere of the season. But if John's claims are anything to be believed, there is much more going on here. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. 
Now, this isn't religious ideology that is thrust upon Jesus. It's his own self-understanding. So from chapter 8, verse 12, the reading that I opened with, this is what Jesus himself says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I think we all know from our experience that the world can be a very dark place. Now, of course, there's plenty that's good and beautiful, but it's as if there's a dark cloud casting a really long shadow over everything that we experience. The world is broken. Human relationships are damaged. We experience it in greed and selfishness in sickness and poverty and conflict and injustice in natural disasters perhaps as you're sitting here tonight there there is something really difficult that you're struggling through as you run up to christmas well god is clear through the testimony that he's given us in the bible that the source of this brokenness is human sin You see, sin is our tendency to want to reject his good and gracious rule and decide for ourselves what is best. Now, it's not that uh, your personal sin is leading to all the difficulties you're experiencing, but sin has twisted the world out of shape. And so things are not the way that God made them to be. The world can be a very dark place. And in a dark world, we need God's light. It's against that backdrop that Jesus comes along and he says, I am the light of the world. That's wonderful news. It's amazing news. But what does he mean by it? Jesus is the light of the world because he comes from God the Father. He's one with the Father And so he can speak for God and reveal God to us. Now, light needs absolutely no illustration. It's obvious. But even in a room like this, a tiny light has an impact. Jesus is like the sun at the blazing center of our solar system. Jesus is the light. There is no other There is no other source of life. It is Jesus or nothing. Now, what does the light do? I'll mention three things. First, the light reveals what is true about our spiritual surroundings. Chapter 1, verse 9, we read that earlier. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. You see, light exposes what is there. It leaves nowhere to hide. Jesus comes along and shows us what we are truly like under the surface. Yes, among other things, he reveals our sin. And that is a precious gift, like the early diagnosis of a deadly cancer. But even more, he reveals all that is beautiful He's the light by which we see God. 
the light by which we see God's face and see his work of salvation through human history. And as we see reality in truth, light shows us the way to go. I was on a night hike a few years ago, and it was cloudy as we came back, so it was nearly pitch black. I was so conscious as we climbed down that hill that apart from this little light I was holding, I would be completely lost. I'd have broken a leg. The light reveals what is true about our spiritual surroundings, and it shows us the way to go. Second, the light defeats darkness. Chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A darkness flees where light shines. There's no contest. Jesus comes into the world to restore it, to restore it from its brokenness. He's the victorious king who defeats the powers of darkness. He deals with the problem of sin in our hearts. In his light, we have the hope of a world that is set right, one in which sin, suffering, and death will have no place. Or third and finally, the light gives us spiritual life. Chapter 8, verse 12, what I read earlier, Jesus says, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If we follow Jesus, he promises us the light of life. Here's the thing. We think we know where we are, and where we're going, but we don't. We think we see what is true about our spiritual surroundings, but we don't. We think that we're fully alive, but we aren't. The light by which we see is darkness, and what a terrible darkness it is that has us believing that we can see. Jesus, the true light, came into the world to drive out darkness. Jesus comes, he he deals with sin, with suffering, with death. He overcomes evil by laying down his life. That's phenomenal. Jesus lays down his life for those those he loves, for those who look to him and rely on him. The amazing thing is that that he dies and then he takes up his life again in victory. You can't make this stuff up. See, and if by faith we follow Jesus, we take hold of that life, he becomes the light by which we see God, by which we see everything anew. In his light, life becomes sweet our joys deep, our hope true. And one day, his light is going to fill the earth, banishing sin and sickness, pain and sorrow. Until that day, his light will be the soft glow that strengthens us in our weakness, comforts us in our sorrow, reassures us 
in our loss. It will be the lamp on our troubled path. It will reveal the the wise and loving face of God behind every painful experience. The light reveals what is true about our spiritual surroundings, and it shows us the way to go. The light defeats darkness, and the light gives us spiritual life. We were made for this light. We need Jesus. And so as Jesus says a little bit later in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 36, Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. When you believe in Jesus as your precious light, when you follow him as your truth and your wisdom and your way and your beauty, you will have his life. That's a wonderful hope. People sometimes talk about faith as a leap in the dark. I'm sure you've heard that. I hope you can see that this completely flips that idea on its head. We are in darkness. Jesus is the light. Faith is an eyes-wide-open step in the light that Jesus shines. There is no leaping in the darkness here. Now, maybe you've been discovering that, and you are ready to live in his light. Or will you talk to him and express that need with the full assurance that he will receive you? If you need help with that, come and talk to me. Talk to the person who invited you along if you came with someone. But you may not be there yet. You may still have questions. Let me invite you to take up John's gospel. Read his eyewitness account. Examine Jesus' claims for yourself. There are copies of this at the welcome table. Pick one up on your way out and just give it a read. Or you may want to explore those questions in a discussion group with other people, with someone to bounce your ideas off then can I invite you to come along to Christianity Explored? It's four sessions, about an hour and a half each, starting in mid-January. I'll be there. Come and join me. It's really relaxed. We'll have a lot of fun as we ask questions, as we answer them, as we look at another one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. There are more invitations to it in the pews in front of you. Or perhaps as you've been sitting here, you're already a Christian. These are familiar and precious truths to you. Let me remind you that John urges us later on in the New Testament to walk in the light just as he is in the light. Treasure these truths. Bask in the light that Jesus shines. Live it as you hold independence to Jesus. Well, I'm going to close for us with these words from Psalm 36. It's ancient Hebrew poetry written by King David in worship of God. And listen to what he says. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. 
They feast in the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Isn't it wonderful how David stacks wonder upon wonder? The unfailing love of God, the protection we can have at his side, the abundant feast in his house, the refreshing river of his delights, the fountain of life. And he ends with that phrase, in your light we see light. Jesus is the life-giving light of the world. Follow him and take hold of the light that is life. Let me pray briefly as we end. Heavenly Father, give us faith to see in the light Jesus shines, that we would take hold of the life that is truly life. Amen.